That Naturopathic Podcast. TNP. Hello there. Hi, and thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. Cara Denisio. And I'm Dr. David Miller, and we hear your frustrations. This show is for you. This show is for you if you're feeling like your current healthcare strategy is not getting to the root cause or the underlying reasons for your health. This show is for you if you've been told that you're fine, but you definitely don't feel very well. This show is for you if you're walking out of your doctor's office with one, two, three, four, or even five medications without any mention of diet, lifestyle, or a long-term game plan. This show is for you if you've got several specialists taking care of you, but no one is really putting it all together. This show is for you if you believe that health should be part of health care. These problems have solutions. We know it. Our patients know it. And we want you to know it. Naturopathic medicine is the solution that you need to know about. Okay, welcome to another podcast episode, That Naturopathic Podcast. Dr. Dave here, and we're continuing with the Elder Series with uh, our DC, ND, OG. Verna, are you okay with being called an OG? I, I think so. I think it's probably your idea of a compliment, David. It is. <laughs> it is. I can't give you enough compliments, so I have to keep I have to keep thinking of new ones. So, anyways, uh, Doctor Verna, thank you so much for uh, for joining me again for another episode of the Elder Series. Here, um, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about what is your body saying to you, and that means how do you listen to your body, determine what it's saying, and figure out if you need help, who can help you. I have a guest who can help us. Ah, yeah. Starts with an N, ends with a D, probably. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. So what, when you say, "What is your body saying to you?" Uh, what do you? What do you? Because um, you talk more in a nice sort of storytelling sort of way. What are you saying uh, when you say, "What is your body saying to you?" Other people may call it what. Well, if you if you want to learn how to observe your body, uh, you. Think about all the parts of it that you know about, like you know about skin and eyes and ears and mouth and tongue, all the little things that children learn to name their body parts, toes. Like when I work with kids, maybe I said this before in another podcast is I have them help me when I'm examining them. Like we count their toes, Mm -hmm. count their fingers. And I say, you have just the right amount. That's very good, except when they don't. I've seen four-toed people and six-toed people, but in general, it's it's to really inform them in a very simple language about their belly, all the things that are inside their belly that help them take their food and make energy and poop and pee and all the things that that we do. But how do you know something's going wrong? Or how do you know when something's going right? So... There are five ways to get things in the body and out of the body. We can take food in and then we poop it out. We can take fluid in and then we can pee it out. We can breathe in through our mouth and through our nose and the air goes in. And then the used air comes out. And also our sinuses can, you can blow out snot and phlegm. Uh, skin, we take like vitamin D in, and we also take other things I think we don't know about yet from the sun. I think there's a lot more than vitamin D, but we haven't come to that as a 
evolutionary culture. But the skin sometimes um, has an acne that happens to teenagers. Why is that happening? So, um, and when we're grown up and we're mature and we have a reproductive system, there's ways to um, uh, get things in there so we can make a baby. And then there are ways to get the baby out and also with men to do- donate sperm to women. I'm trying to make this an all-age podcast. So, uh, so unless you cry a lot, there's really no other way out. So you can pee and poop and menstruate and ejaculate and have babies and do all those things and your skin can sweat. And But you kind of learn just by living in a body how, how that goes. And if we have something that's too much or too little, how, how will we know? So, for example, if you get cracks on your fingers and feet, is that a lack of something? Because the skin should be like all together, all one piece. Otherwise, we just kind of ooze out, you know. And so what are the things we want in skin? We want it strong. We want it supple. We don't want it cracking. We don't want it blistering or rashing. And those can all be from different causes. It's good to put maybe cream on them and things like that. But what's the root cause, which is what we talk about in naturopathic medicine. Mm -hmm. So a big one I see in skin, and it's our largest organ, and it is part of the nervous system, really. It really forms from the same layer in the embryo. Yeah, that's a weird one. I always found that a weird one to get your head around when you're learning about embryology, that the skin and the nervous system come from same sort of mother tissue, right? Yes, yes. Very interesting. Yes, because it's one of our big antennas. It's one of, it's energetic. It's also, you know, if you get scratched by a nail on the wall or one of your, one of your little baby sisters bites you mm-hmm. or whatever it is, you want the nerves there. It's a boundary. It's a barrier. It's our protector. Even our mucous membranes in our mouth and other parts of our body and over our eyeball, we have these protectors. And you don't want fragile skin so that if you just kind of brush it with your nail, you're gonna it's gonna ooze open. You don't want that because things can get in there that you you don't want. Mm-hmm. So what does it mean when the skin is upset and how will how will you know? And there are some really basic things to know about are you eating protein? Doesn't have to be meat, but are you eating protein? And are you eating good oils? A lot of North Americans don't eat good oils or enough oils. And what do you mean good oils? Like if we if we had to say roughly what are good and bad oils, what are you getting at there? So good oils are cold pressed the way they're made. They're usually sold in a bottle that's glass and dark colored like blue or dark green or dark brown. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and you don't let them sit out in a vat you 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 keep them in maybe room temperature or cooler but you don't have you know just can of crisco i suppose i shouldn't say a brand name but you know what i mean that, <laughs> um that uh, is sitting by the deep fryer for when you fry your dill pickles or whatever they do with that <laughs> you know like those kind of oils are harder on your body but there's there's now good coconut oils and avocado oil and sunflower seed oil which has no taste want to come back to that okay. and olive oil and um uh what other kind of oils do you use at your house do you have other oils? yeah those are those are the main ones i think uh, olive sort of olive uh coconut 
avocado would be the the sort of heavy hitters here at 81 cedar bush drive in southampton um but before we go too much into oils and all that i just want i was trying to uh lure you into saying something when i when i said yes at at the beginning like what is your body saying to you because in my uh, simple brain i was like well we what we're often good at is is listening to symptoms right so when something goes awry and then you started talking about you know other uh, yeah. more like no. you know how to count I your toes and, and talk about symptoms but I went off on a tangent so signs and symptoms what do they mean and um so it's either that you have too much of something that you shouldn't have and not enough of something you should have and it also could be products like say the skin you're using women use really makeup with all kinds of ick in them lead is there lead in your lipstick there's a book called that um uh, but also there's no symptoms. What about when something's not happening? Mm-hmm. And um, uh, is everything okay? Like, how do you know if something that should be happening isn't happening and you're not a doctor, you can never study anatomy. If there's no information, like people say, oh, I have a pain, I have a bad knee. And, and I say, well, you know, cancer, this is a really good example. Cancer is not painful till it's well on in its progression it's quiet and when people say i have back pain and and you know they've had it for a long time it's really irritating i said yes it's still talking to you but at least it's not a quiet cancer cell and they go Mm -hmm. you're right and i said i know so the cancer cell what is cancer cell in general it's something that should be killed off automatically by your immune system when your immune system eat it it sees it and it's not killing it off Mm-hmm. That word's called apoptosis, but it doesn't matter what it's called. It should be running around going, you don't belong here. You're not like the rest of us. Get out of here. That's what it's mm-hmm. doing. Mm-hmm. So in breast cancer, it's five to eight years before you can feel the bump or lump. And, and there are ways to test for is the cancer happening in the background or is something happening that you can't feel yet or so you don't think. So, for example, if you suddenly realize you have lumps in your armpit, did you ever feel that before? No. So you're looking for lumps and bumps. You're looking for changes in moles. I have people take a picture of their moles. And then every three to six months in the same place with the same sunlight at the same time of day, take another picture. Mm -hmm. Because it's just a way of watching moles. I mean, during COVID, probably not as many moles were getting checked. Yeah, for sure. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, but but uh, another thing, I just I think you're you're kind of getting to it. But I would, uh, what I what I was um, sort of getting is that you know how, as a naturopath and someone who's been doing this for a long, long time, you know what are the healthy signs in the body too, right? That's what I was sort of um, yes, yes, pulling you along there to say. Yeah, I wasn't going where you wanted me to. I'm being disorganized. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> But you so, know it better than anyone. That's why I want I want you to teach me and I want you to teach everyone too. Like you, you're not just looking for, like I think that's one of the advantages of seeing an atropath too is that you don't just wait yeah. for the wheels to fall off. You're kind of looking for, hey, is this going? Is that going? Is this doing yeah, this? Is that that's doing right. that? That's, that's right. So when you, before even you have a question about your body, but when you go in, you can say, well, I have this little thing and this little thing and I don't know why it's there. And um, so I, we have those. We have healthy child checkups and we have healthy adult checkups. And up to about um, 10 or 15 years ago, people would do those checkups. 
Mm-hmm. And now everybody's in a hurry. Everybody's in a hurry. And I can only be here half an hour, not three quarters. Yeah. Go. In Toronto, there's traffic jams. And so people aren't doing their healthy checkups very much anymore. And I find it a little irksome because, you know, there's things they say, oh, by the way, I've had this blue ooze coming out of my right hip, but I forgot to tell you for five years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is crazy. So what's happening? How can we do healthy checkups? In a, to a certain extent, chiropractic does this. They, they, they look at the spine. But naturopathy, our scope is really big. We're looking at everything. Mm-hmm. And how, how can we assess what is or isn't working as well? And people up till now, up till COVID, didn't invest in their health. But I have an idea it's about to change. Mm-hmm. Because they want to be healthy. And if they can really understand that when their immune system is healthy, this is this is like, you know, this strategic uh, uh, policing all the time mm-hmm. of what's going on. So yeah, I what think, a machine, like really, if you can take care of that machine, you're avoiding a lot of problems, right? Right. So healthy, healthy checkups are really important. So when you're can you talk, health- Verna, about like what you would think is, uh, you know, some health, uh, some critical elements of a, of a healthy checkup? Because even, even uh, I, I would say, um, you know, I see a lot of gut focused uh, issues and, uh, you know, chronic disease in general, but I don't think I was, I was uh, given uh, as good of a, maybe some training as you could give me in terms of what, what is like a, what are the critical elements of a healthy checkup? Yeah. Well, I have videos of that on the Naturopathic Legacy Project uh, of a new patient intake healthy checkup. Okay, I'm um, gonna. I'm just gonna make sure that I know that we're gonna put that in the in the notes. Okay. Yeah. The um. So the first thing is, um, I do a postural analysis. Your posture is very important, not because everybody wants to be a beauty queen or a beauty king, but because if your your body's on even you'll have wear and tear say on one knee more than the other. Or if you're bending your head forward all the time, because you're on your iPhone, let alone the 5g that's about to beam into you and do terrible things to your whole system. um, You're bending forward. And so you really get your neck and upper back in a really bad habit. And so the chest is collapsing in and people are walking around like this and then they have headaches and so on and so on. So, they should be teaching children if they're going to put them on these devices, how to, how to sit and how to prevent that. Mm-hmm. So posture is very important. And there's many things you can do to do to help that exercises and things. One of my favorite go-tos is walking poles, urban walking poles that help you walk. I, they look like ski poles, but they're not. They yeah. help you walk and move with your whole chest and pelvis because our most powerful muscle is our butt muscle you know pushing us forward but a lot of people grab with their feet and drag along and then their head goes forward and then they're shuffling when you're shuffling your knees will wear out look at all the knee replacements that are going i think knee replacements are great but there's the but i think there's more percentage of people who need them why is you know so, so these these pool, these poles that I see a lot of people walking around here that there's there's a lot more to them than you know being in the winter and not slipping or is there's a lot yes. more to it yes okay I would tell you my favorite brand it's called Urban Poling an occupational therapist in Vancouver uh, designed them and just go to urbanpoling.com 
And she has what I call idiot-proof videos explaining it. Anybody could understand it. She works with people with strokes and paralyzed and quite remarkable. But they really, really help your core. And they really help your brain because it likes that alternate arm and foot. Yeah, the crosswise. Cross-crawling. Yeah. Wonderful. It's wonderful. It makes your neurological system a little happy. Like it's like, okay, let's go. You know, it's really, Mm -hmm. really doing that. So, um, uh, so we have posture. I look at skin a lot. Skin can tell you a lot. Is your skin crepe papery? You can have wrinkly skin, but you can have, when you push it together, if it looks crepe papery, you don't have enough oil in your system. And I see this in infants because the mother isn't eating oils, even if she's trying to breastfeed. Mm -hmm. And the baby, the brain is mainly fat, oil, a lot of it. And if if she runs out of oil, she'll pull the myelin sheath off of her own nerves. And then she has baby brain. And some women never come out of that because they're just having store-bought craft salad dressing that who knows. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if we could, one thing I teach people, this is how you make salad dressing. <laughs> you know, because you can really make a difference. And yep. children think they don't like oil. So here's what I want to get back to with oils is you take half unsalted butter half sunflower seed butter because it has no taste unless it's an italian family the kid thinks they don't like the taste of the oil because they don't have enough zinc this Mm -hmm. goes on and on so you (laughs) blend the unsalted butter and the sunflower seed butter and put in good salt like himalayan salt or or um gray sea salt and just mix it up and the great thing about this you put it in a container it's soft even right out of the fridge because the oil's in it but the kids think they're eating butter Mm -hmm. And they'll eat a lot of that on toast. So that was what I wanted to get back to on that. But come back to posture too, then. So you did. Put, you're gonna. You're gonna look at posture. You're gonna look at skin. I had a question about skin. Like, what about? Okay, you're looking at skin as a whole there. But what about when there's areas uh, of the skin that are affected and other areas that are not? Like, what do you start to think of when you see well, that? First of all, the whole body's mapped out on the face, and where the issue is on the face, like rosacea has a lot to do with the nerves to the stomach or vagus nerve and it can develop at any age especially with stress then mm-hmm. there's with type 2 diabetes there's acne and then when people get the real hormone push from let's say 13 to 17 and and cystic acne i see more boys with cystic acne than girls and when that testosterone starts to build up it's like woo. Mm -hmm. And the body, the liver, they're probably living on, what are they living on? Twinkies and Coca-Cola. You don't know always what they're living on. And so the liver cannot break down the hormones. And there's things that I, as a naturopath, can do to help the liver and use phosphatidylcholine and liver herbs and all these things. So the acne will not have to come out through the skin. Mm -hmm. And the skin is really related to the nervous system. But there are areas like Right above the eyes, there's liver right beside the eyes on the temples. It's spleen, stomach on the cheeks. Um, the nose is um, heart and digest and or digestion, just like the tongue. I look at the tongue because the whole body in TCM through Chinese medicine is on the tongue. And um, there is no end of people with a red tip on their tongue. And that's mm-hmm. stress. That's stress. And then the whole cracks on the tongue the center that's digestion so even even though i don't fully practice tcm i always have a tongue map around 
and I show it to people and I get people to watch their tongue, even if they don't know what it means. Mm-hmm. You know, I say, uh, you know, uh, go off drinking Coca-Cola instead of water as you can and watch your tongue. Yeah. So TCM for people who don't know is traditional Chinese medicine, uh, which is part of the, the scope of training that, that uh, naturopaths get. Um, okay. So we've done, we've done the, looking at the spine and the posture. We're talking about the skin. What else are you looking at, Verna? I look at irises, iridology. I was trained to do that. Not a lot of people are trained anymore, but it came out of Europe. It works really well on Caucasian people uh, because it was developed looking at Caucasian eyes. Mm-hmm. And it tells me more about genetic tendencies than, oh, you've got a pimple today. It doesn't tell you mm-hmm. that. And, and what's happening in the nervous system. There are things, all the parts of the body, certain areas, there's a weakness or scarring or uh, placking, and you can see it right in the irises. Mm-hmm. I, uh, then I, well, as well as doing posture, I check the movement of every joint of the body. So it's called motion palpation. I do a little movement. Um, then I look what at the do you look, What are you looking for with motion palpation? It, every um, area of the spine, the neck, the thorax, the pelvis, hands and feet should have certain kinds of movements. Like we should be able to turn our hands, palm up and palm down, palm up mm-hmm. and palm down. And um, some people can't do that all the way, the older they are. And I'll say, what did you, did you break this wrist? They said, oh yeah, I broke it. It's never worked right since. Did you have physio? Oh no. I said, well, we'll see what we could do. Even if we're 10% better, they'd be happy. Mm-hmm. You know, so you look for all the motions that they can or can't do and how well their muscles, arms and legs stretch out. Can they, when they're lying on their back, can they bring their leg to 90 degrees? Well, when we sit children in desks at six years old and then leave them there till they're 26 years old or whatever, mm-hmm. and they never did something to stretch it out, it might be a little tight and tight muscles then change the posture. And there's fascia around all our muscles. That's that clear gelatinous layer that's on chicken legs when you eat them. Mm-hmm. If it's too tight, then you get all these torques and warps that something happening in your leg could be causing your headache because there's a torque all the way through the body. Mm-hmm. So you want, you want to know about that? I assume you're going to look at the belly too in your sort of yeah. assessment of a healthy yeah, person. Yeah, I just said that. I said that. Did it come out of my mouth though? Yes. So I spent a long time on the belly. And uh, first of all, when was the last time someone had their belly touched by a practitioner? Very rare. So I, I, and I also often sit down, especially when I'm working with children, I don't tower over them. I sit down and, and actually put, if they're two years old or just older, I put them a little higher. The table goes up and down. So Mm -hmm. they're the alpha dog in the room. Mm -hmm. They think they're in charge in, in a primal way. Mm-hmm. so that they feel safe that's why i do that right and, then, and i put my hands on the belly and i just leave them there for a minute and i've been taught by various ways and courses how to feel what's going on in the belly you know is the uh, uterus or bladder or prostate in the right place are the valves of the digestive tract working well if they have scar tissue why is it there how deep does it go what is it attached to and David, you could talk a lot about that because you study this. Yeah, I love I love that. And I just thought I'd bring up the other thing that I see sometimes is when, because I do the hands-on work, I, not to the extent that you do. I, I, I think um, we need to be uh, 
we need to do more of what you do, but um, I do touch the belly extensively and wherever there's fascial sort of pulls I, I touch there. But I, I wanted to say that I find it very interesting that sometimes people don't know of something until you touch that area. So it's not, you don't always find something, but you, you'd be like, Oh, I'm, you're touching the, you know, the pelvis or, or the area just above, you know, the pubic bone or whatever they say, Oh yeah, I get this pain there sometimes, or, that's you know, right. it just reminds people. I think that's another thing with these that's well fun. checkups. Yeah, Do you ever experience stuff like that? Yes, absolutely. All the time all the time. And as a, when I'm a patient, I experience it when somebody's working on their belly. I go, oh, I didn't know that hurt there. I mean, you don't poke every part of your body every day. Mm-hmm. And when you're following with your mind, like say, or your consciousness, somebody touching you, and as we are touching people, it brings them to that part of their body, which could reveal more than just physical things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I have safe stories there's a story i could tell you it's kind of interesting a a man who was young during world war ii who was um had supposedly a thymus problem which was really interesting to me that everybody even thought about the thymus so in order to investigate it they drilled a hole through his sternum no anesthetic wow so i get to a sternum and this very dignified man leaps off the table screaming and i said okay he said i forgot to tell you never touch me there he told me the story uh, good to know mm-hmm. right didn't come up in the he, he didn't remember it because n- not many people touch his chest like why would they be mm-hmm. you know but i was just feeling it and checking checking it out so that was really yeah. an interesting situation but i've seen other situations like that but that one that one's of quite a memorable one and safe to tell without scaring everybody so so the but Vera, what it scares me what it scares me is that we're losing so much touch right and we'll, we'll get into touch in, in a whole other episode but i just i just think it's so worth it's worth reiterating that you can't do that on the internet and if we don't touch people we are not going to find things like that and it's really important it is really 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 important Mm-hmm. And, and you know, when I walk into a situation, a belly situation, um, all kinds of things from infertility to chronic constipation to supposedly IBS, but not really, um, the, then I just wait because I have to know how that person can tolerate touch. Mm-hmm. That man taught me a lot about that. Not that I was overdoing, but I just he really got my attention about touch. That oh, was like, sure. that was in the eighties. long time ago. But you know, when you touch, you have to figure out what's the most appropriate way to touch that person. And they go, what do you mean? I said, well, if you ever were at one of those dances where you're kind of change partners and it's kind of more waltzy or it's not just jiggling your own body. It's your, your we have a partner mm-hmm. and um, you have to figure out you know, first of all, who's leading? It could be anybody, but you have to work in the flow and combination. And so every dance partner is different. Would you mm-hmm. agree? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I say that all the time with the tissues when I do the osteopathic work. I say, let's do a little dance here. Yeah. And you just ask it to dance. And if it wants to dance, that's yeah. cool. And if you wait, yeah. you want to wait a bit, it might be a bit shy yeah. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you get to scar tissue, 
it either can be yes just go in there like from the body you kind of get that yes and from other people they become um fight fight or fight fearful but it's not a big movement they're trying to just be calm Mm -hmm. and i i take my hands away and i said what what just happened Mm -hmm. well i don't i don't know i kind of felt scared i said okay well i'm glad that's talking to us Mm -hmm. like it's not a pejorative thing it's just that was good and then i get them to talk about it or or in some way what it what it is and you have to decide if i haven't treated anybody yet i'm still just gathering information yeah the belly is a deep a deep bowl (laughs) and Mm -hmm. there's a lots lots and lots and lots and lots to learn from it i can't tell you how exciting it is to do that work because you can learn a lot and you learn a lot not just about that person but there isn't a day that goes by in my practice that I don't learn something new that Mm -hmm. amazes me after all that time I think it's people are changing and all those things but I think I'm listening differently every day like it has more um, aging like fine wine you know it's like I have more ability yeah listen to listen yeah. I have ability to listen and that affects my life in a personal way in many ways i find that i i can really just observe a situation and respond rather than react mm-hmm. that's very helpful mm-hmm. so the other things that i do is i i take the blood pressure and you'll think well yeah so, so what but there, one of my colleagues, Anton Ingard, who we started the Legacy Project in honor of, taught me all these little things about how to take blood pressure. Sometimes you take a blood pressure, and you do it two or three times, and it's all over the map. He said, well, take it by hand. I go, pardon? He said, just use the pump and then keep your hand on the pulse to find that top number and make sure it's accurate. Because so you can feel the pulse come back into your own hand. And nobody, he taught me that. I don't even know if I've hardly ever taught anybody that. It's not hard to do. What are you doing that for? I want to get an accurate top number. Mm -hmm. Now, both numbers are really important. But if the top one's really high, that's dangerous. If the bottom one's high and it's really consistently high, that's even more dangerous. Mm -hmm. But if the top number's just floating around because somebody new is touching them or they... They're always scared to get their blood pressure taken. I start telling a story, of course. (laughs) I said, I'm just fiddling around here. I just really want to just get an accurate thing. So I'm going to do this the old-fashioned way. And I'm just going to hold your wrist like this. So I'm holding your wrist. And I'm not, and I'm, and I'm just, and uh, I'm feeling it. My stethoscope isn't in. A lot of people start talking to me when my stethoscope's in there. I said, I can't hear you. I have to wait a minute. (laughs) I don't like doing that, but I literally can't hear them. Mm -hmm. I can see them moving their mouth. So then I, I wait for the pulse to come back into my finger. You should try it out, Dave, because it's a different experience. Now you can't Mm -hmm. hear, you can't get the bottom number that way, but you can't get the top number that way. Mm -hmm. And so that's, in the early problems with blood pressure, that's the number that's the problem. And it's the hard work. Now, if the, if the bottom number's high, then the heart's never completely emptying. And there's, in my opinion, more discord in there. Mm-hmm. But the heart never gets to relax. And that's mm-hmm. really not good. What and do you think of when you see people who, you know, the, the, they just have high blood pressure when they see you or a doctor? 
Right, right. Yeah, well, that's anticipatory stress because they're going to be wrong or not good enough or somehow they're deficient, like something wrong with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just say to them, well, if grizzly bear is shaking you, you want that blood pressure to go up. You want to run. Mm-hmm. There's a reason. So um, so it's like a performance type of thing. Like they're, they feel like yeah. they're being examined and, and uh, their performance is going to, is that what's going on? You think? Yeah. I think it's the autonomic nervous system. Reaction, yeah. The sympathetic yeah. dominant. So sometimes I leave it there for a while and then I go on and look at their toes. I go somewhere else in their body. Mm-hmm. But I leave a cuff there on purpose. So it just becomes a thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I often go to the feet or to the neck. But I try and get away from the arm. And I go down to the feet. And I sit down. So we can. I put my table up at the head a little bit. And I start talking about their feet. I said, And I say things. Did you play hockey? Guys. Yeah. How do you know? I said. How many times did you break your toes? Oh, a lot. One guy I had once, he was in his 30s and he'd been playing hockey, but he was off finally doing some career thing, like driving a truck or whatever. And uh, his toes were like, oh, higgly piggly all over the place. I said, what the heck? Oh, you played hockey. Yeah. Played defense. I said, okay. <clears throat> One of the things we're going to do is on on tie your toes. And over time I did. And it was, his feet were a whole size bigger after. No way. <laughs> He was just jammed, you know, probably, who knows, you, how how can you afford hockey skates for kids, at least back in the day? Yeah. And then he had to get all the shoes. Yeah. But his feet were happier. <laughs> and if what other... happy, you're, it really helps. Yeah. So what other parts of the body are you are you checking out with this whole sort of wellness check? Right. So I usually do a hair analysis. I take a little clipping of hair at the nape of the neck and I send that off to see what their cells are absorbing versus what's in their blood. It's good to know what's in the blood, but it's not inside the cell. There's no blood inside the cell. Isn't that weird to think about out loud? Because yeah. Yeah. the capillaries take the oxygen and the nutrients and the zinc and the glucose to the cell. And then it unloads through the membrane. But inside the cell, there's no blood. Mm-hmm. And we don't quite really know what's going on inside cells. Like really, really. So you want the things to be delivered and you want them to come back. So when you take a hair analysis, it's like a biopsy, much more comfortable than taking, you know, part of your eyeball out to see what's on those cells, right? So this is a very controversial thing, uh, but it tells you, are you absorbing zinc? It's really high, high uh, efficacy to say what's zinc. So yeah, who cares what zinc? Well, you can't absorb zinc unless your stomach enzymes are working. It's very important for taste and smell. We all know that now because of COVID, but taste mm-hmm. and smell. Growth. Men need a lot more zinc for the reproductive system. Zinc, when people become melancholy or depressed due to shock, like their child dies and they just, you know, fall apart. Of course they fall apart. But the body dumps zinc in that kind of milieu. And if you don't have zinc, it can help you heal your cuts and scrapes. And it's very important for the immune system. But it has many other things like barium. Barium is embedded in the air above all airports in the world. And barium is like um, plaster of Paris once it gets in our body. It's uh, And it was also in Axel. It's plaster of Paris. Pardon? What did you say? Barium. Barium. Yeah. Animas, barium. Yeah. Plaster of Paris. You know, all that stuff. 
has been Plaster of Paris. What is that? Plaster of Paris. What you mean? Oh, Plaster of Paris. I don't know what that is. A kid in school. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Thanks for clarifying. So who know who knows that that's in the atmosphere? I just come across these things and just tell it telling everybody. Because in the hair analysis I took 40 years ago in general, and the hair analysis I take now, I would see hair analysis barium high in one in a hundred then, and now it's one in one like one in 30 I don't know but it's much more so then I went looking why is this why is this changing everywhere people that live in the city people live out of the city people on the GTA area you see that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they look for mercury and arsenic arsenic's increasing um so Verna, Verna, I was what I want to talk about is because I don't know enough about hair mineral analysis because what I had heard is that um, basically it's it's more useful for finding toxic sort of components in the body more so than the other and I, I feel like uh, I, I'm kind of scared to say this because I'm sure we're gonna have uh, you know people doubting uh, the hair analysis but what's when when I say that the what I what I would say is the conventionally sort of accepted thing is that yeah it picks up toxicity but it picks in, picking up things like zinc what where does where does that come from like uh, is this newer evidence older evidence both both okay. there's lots of evidence there's lots of evidence but it um... you know we're not evidence-based junkies you and i but i'm but it's it's nice when you have it right it's and and there's assumptions there's assumptions with hair too is that it's a see that what i start thinking is it assumes that the um the body is putting as many resources from more critical areas to areas that would be less critical yeah it's that's all accounted for though you have to know you have to study how to analyze this i mean they give you a report uh, um i use doctor's data uh mm-hmm. dr george tamari who really helped the naturopathic professional a lot in canada now did he was a chemist and he developed animal labs here uh in about 1980 it's an amazing guy i learned a lot of how to interpret that uh dr pat wales she's an md in calgary used to be here in ontario used to teach about it and um there are all kinds of patterns. Like if you have a high calcium, high magnesium and high strontium in the hair, it doesn't mean you have too much. It means you're not absorbing it and utilizing it well. There's all of these uh-huh. things. And copper and zinc balance each other and sodium and potassium balance each other. And when, when they're really low, you know, there's something really happening with the adrenals. Um, and Is this then, still hair that we're talking about? This is all hair. Okay. Yeah, and you can... You can take, um, uh, it's usually head hair. Some people don't have a lot of head hair, but mm-hmm. it's um, and it's, it's based on that. And there's research that goes on all the time. It's sampling what's inside a cell. Blood is what's outside the cell. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that doesn't matter. I mean, if, you're t- if you've got enough lead in your body, it'll be in your bloodstream and you'll kind of be a leady color. Mm-hmm. you know and if it's high in the blood you need to you need to be on chelation like now you know mm-hmm. but if there's just some why wait till you're this blue gray color right mm-hmm. so i learned that back in the day it was part of my education so was iridology um 
Uh, well, you, you brought up this, you brought up these patterns with hair uh, mineral analysis. And I just, it's something I, I noted from what you were saying before, because you're talking about iridology, you're talking about the face, you're talking about the tongue. And it's like, you know, that can make the average sort of notch pass head spin. So how do you sort of uh, synthesize these other holistic patterns into one bigger pattern? Like I find that I find that difficult at times putting all these patterns into one big pattern. What's your sort of guiding principle of putting, because they don't always work, right? I, I, not that they don't always work. They're not always like a home run. Oh, it's, you know, this means this, this means this. So how do you put it together, Verna? After 42 years, how do you put it together? Functionality. It's functionality. So, and it's an, it's an art form to, you know, the art and science. And then you get your own, uh, I have my own take on, take on it. And I, I do not do needle acupuncture, but sometimes when I'm really stuck, I think in, in TCM theory, I take any theory that can juggle my brain enough to think about a case. And mm-hmm. sometimes, sometimes it's, why is the body doing this in order to survive? Why is this body doing this? Suddenly starting to sweat so much that it's ridiculous and it's not been shock and it's not this and it's not that. But why, why is that emunctory being so overused? Emunctory, you said a word there. We have to, you have to, you have to define it. <laughs> really? Yeah, well, because no one's not everyone's going to know what an emunc tree is. That's fine. You can't really you blame call them. Me on it. You call me on it. <laughs> so an emunc tree is something that filters liver, kidney, lungs in their own way. Um, the lymph isn't exactly an emunc tree, but it delivers the junk that has to be sorted. The skin, it's something that releases toxins and gets it out of your body. It could, um, you know, the kidney then the bladder, and then you're peeing, the liver, then the colon, then you're pooping. You know, there's all of these things that have a cascade down, uh, trickle down and out effect. And if you suddenly are um, having diarrhea, that's just ridiculous, you know, you can't get out of the house, Mm -hmm. then why is that being used that much? What is going on? So I start at the end. I start with a question, usually, always. Why is why does this person have to do this in order to survive? And how do you go upstream from that to look at all of the things? It's never one root cause. It's like a tippy canoe. Mm-hmm. If you overcompensate from one end of the tippy canoe uh-huh. to the other end of the tippy canoe, you're in the same problem. You're still tipping. You know what's so fundamentally different, I think, that you're talking about there, and I think it's, I don't know if it's taught as, as, uh, as it maybe once was when, when you were in school, but you're, you are looking at it fundamentally at the base. So you're going, the body is trying to adapt and, and accepting that the body is, pro- there's probably some wisdom in, in what it's doing. And I feel like we just get taught a lot of the time, like, what's screwed up with, you know, the body's exactly. screwed up. It's a, I know it sounds, it sounds no, no. so simple, but it's a foundational, yeah. Yeah. fundamental thing. So do, do you as an naturopath think it's your job to fix the person? No. Yeah. It's, it's a nice side effect if, if things, you know, get well, but you, you're just trying to, you're, you say, listen, uh, you're trying to listen and yeah. you're trying to, try, trying to help restore 
normal physiology, which means, and again, we can tie this back to what we're saying before, which means you have to know what normal physiology is. You you can't just be into pathology. I don't think if you want to be a good doctor to know health, you have to know disease. Why why is this body doing this balancing or extreme balancing act? Mm -hmm. And it's never maybe even behaved like that before. There's some situation that's happened. How can you help it? with what it's trying to do your body Uh knows what it wants and needs and um if you if you can supply it and sometimes it's very subtle it's like getting the lymph to move when it's stuck when somebody's in some kind of duress they've broken something there's lymph accumulating and if you're pumping lymph it's like pumping your eyeball it's very subtle but if you can get the lymph to move before you start getting really pushy with your therapy Really consider, are you trying to bully this body? If it saves their life, worth bullying. And that's what mm-hmm. emergency medicine is about. And good on it. Yeah. But if you're in this stagnation place, are you just going to go up and punch it? And then it's going to really shut down even more. How do you jimmy the lock? Mm-hmm. How do you jimmy the lock? That's why I'm so passionate about the lymph system. It's trying to get the freaking sewer going. Yeah. And how do you, there's little key spots you can pump to get it going. And, and so. So, so Verna, can I stop you here just for a moment? Yeah, Cause you, br- yeah, you know, you know, I know how you can do your thing. I just, this tied into uh, what we were talking about. It's a nice flow to hierarchies. And I, you know, do you, do you follow some sort of treatment hierarchy where you think this, this thing has to be in place before I do yes. that? Yes. So I think of things like, you know, blood glucose and electrolytes and things like that as sort of foundational physiological states upon which uh, other things are highly dependent. Yeah, because otherwise you'll have a compensation and the compensation can look like a chronic emergency. That makes any sense. But really, if they drink only one ounce of water a day, there's no Mm. flow. So and every every situation is different and in that person the situation changes by minute or by days or by a year mm-hmm. and you and that's the question what is the hierarchy here well first it's to keep them alive mm-hmm. and and then you know can they get the junk out and what's acceptable to put in while that's happening that's how chicken soup happened you know when in doubt just have some chicken bones (laughs) right because it has electrolytes and the collagen and has all those things so how do we how do we get things out and that's where homeopathy can be very helpful because you're not asking the body to do something with it it just goes in and witnesses and shows the system or let's say the immune system oh actually we have an alligator in the room here we need to dismantle it and get it out it's witnesses it witnesses things that's what homeopathy does it shows up and it says you see this alligator in this cell not supposed to be here and that's how i explain homeopathy to a lot of people they go oh (laughs) you know it's the it's an it's a it's a witnessing vibrational witnessing you mean it sort of brings it sort of brings the attention to the to the body it has a vibration it has a vibration that you have a lot of trauma in your cell. You just fell off a cliff, let's say. And you put the arnica under the tongue. And that is an electromagnetic signaling 
maybe to the brain or maybe there's a whole system like mushrooms in the forest that it just gets dispersed mm -hmm. i think there's some a lot of things we don't know yet mm -hmm. and when you do that the body goes oh trauma that's not all of me i can let that go a bit i, mm -hmm. I can let that go a bit but i start out with a physical remedy like a 30k or a 4ch or 5ch i don't and by the way, I work with homeopathy and I don't consider myself a master at all, but I don't give them a 10 MK unless there's something really unusual about this person because I don't want all the trauma for all their life to come at once. It's probably really wouldn't be good. Mm -hmm. That's why I start with the physical remedy. So, so homeopathics uh, are, are a sort of critical part of what you do sort of day to day with patients? Absolutely. I use a lot of flower remedies. I use many kinds, um, you know, Bach flowers and Bailey and Raven essences. And I used to use California, but that was really interesting. I had them for about 10 years and I hardly use them because we're not California people here. We're, we're a different breed. Mm -hmm. Like the way we are and the way we live, it's not the same. It doesn't suit for the piece load I had. Then I have another kind of can't remember. I have so many of them. Yeah, it makes sense that, you know, the that nature the nature around you would somehow have an impact on the people that live there, right? Yeah. I have some that a friend a patient friend uh in Newfoundland makes and they're from the Grossmoren Park and that's the Earth's mantle and a lot of things that are if you've ever been to Newfoundland, it's its own special place and some of those remedies are very good. I don't use them a lot, but they're, they're really helpful for some people. But I want to get back to the functionality. Mm -hmm. Like, how can, where is this person at now? And what are the ways in so we can help them function a little better? It might be just uh, not retaining water, let's say. It's not like they're going to be a genius in math or anything. It's, it's just how do we get more function in there so that they feel and can see their coming back into their more optimal self and um and how much time is that going to take and i i can say to people uh if they're i think they're going to accept that i could say this situation that you've had for 20 years is going to take at least two years to nudge it but it will it's doable mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure it's doable but you're going to have to hang in there what's happening now through covid is people are so tired of hanging in that you, you have to be careful how you load them with too much to do during COVID because they're already addle-brained from every trip up. Oh, put this mask on, do this, uh, mm -hmm. don't hug your grandchild. Like it's, it seems simple, but it's not simple. Mm -hmm. So you have to say what situation are they in? Are they a new immigrant? Have they been a refugee? I mean, have they come from Syria, for example? Mm -hmm. That culture has been so whew, slammed. Um, so you really try and think of their personhood in the situation, but also to accompanying them through this journey with their health. And um, how, the more functional they can get, the better. Brain injury, I've worked with lots of brain injury but, uh, since their early 80s before it was a thing to talk about but you know i do sound and color there's lots of things that i that i do to to help that situation so their brain will turn back on and we know more about that now 
but you know, 1980, there's nothing. Verna, what do, you, what do you do when someone's in a low energy state? I always say this to my patients. It's always harder to make change when you're in a low energy state, be that from something as simple as like not having enough iron or whatever. But I do find people's energy improves when I uh, do my gut work. Like it's almost like they stop losing energy because it's not like there's a ball of energy you can take and you ingest energy. It's not as easy as that. It's about stopping the rot or stopping the loss but what do you what are you thinking of when someone comes to you and they have low energy because it's hard then the, the, there's a reason for this it's hard to make all the changes that you or me or That's whoever may ask them so what do you do to help you know them increase energy so here's one question i ask initially if i yelled fire would you say how long do I have before I have to move? Mm -hmm. and, and I would say, now they go, hmm. I got 10 minutes. They're so tired that when they're in danger, they want to know the timeline. Mm -hmm. and that's the common answer. If I yell fire, what's your answer? Is it close? That's their answer. Mm -hmm. So what does yeah. that tell you? It tells me they're tireder than dirt. Mm -hmm. Not good soil, dead dirt. Mm -hmm. So what, do, what would you do to dirt? You would feed it minerals. And sometimes I just give them a cell salt combination to suck on once a day. Little sea salt in their water. Mm -hmm. um, uh, really doable things. I encourage them to sip water again. Here's my glass with the water in it. Mm -hmm. See the water, drink the water. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I have them, um, uh, if they like baths, I have them take baths with things in it, like apple cider vinegar and salt, or, or just a pot of um, chamomile tea or something really simple. Um, and uh, I have them try and eat, one nutritious, no matter how bad their diet is, I have them eat something every day that they agree they will eat. Mm -hmm. And it could be uh, sunflower seeds have a lot of zinc. Or mm -hmm. uh, sunflower seed nut butter, if they don't want to chew. Some people don't want to chew. That tells you their serotonin. Like people love chewing. It stimulates the serotonin. But if they don't want to even do that, unless their teeth are bad, um, they... Uh, you try and go to where they are, meet them where they are. Mm -hmm. And um, if I give them an exercise, it's usually lying on their back and just saying, swaying their legs side to side, because that stimulates or helps the uh, belly. And it helps the flow of the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve really likes that. Just the, the swaying. It's like rocking a baby. You're rocking mm -hmm. yourself. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, some people really detest taking pills. So I have them suck, say, on the cell salts. Um, and, uh, and so I try and determine slowly, not barrage them with questions, why they hate swallowing pills. Many times it's that their hyoid bone is twisted and stuck. And I don't know if you've got that to that in your osteopathy yet, but there's a way to unwind the hyoid. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just give them a few things to do. And um, 
and then progress. I mean, I have people who kind of have crawled into my office. And they've mm-hmm. been, you know, beyond dirt tired for decades. And I say, good for you for getting here. Let's mm-hmm. begin. I just but, inc- it, but it's hard for both, right? Like it's hard for the patient because they don't have a lot of energy. They've come to you, like they've crawled in, like you said. I find it really hard for young, probably a younger naturopath too, where you feel the pressure of trying to get a give a result for your patient when, like you're saying, maybe they just need to hydrate, take some salts, and and sleep, or have one good meal a day. Like, yeah, and then it's but the patient has to be very um, uh, understanding, I guess, in that state too that. You know, they don't have, they can't expect a, you know, cure in a day. You yeah. got to build this, build this yeah. ground up. Yeah, I agree. And our culture has really changed in the last 40 years. Uh, and there's more of this instant magic bullet stuff. Mm-hmm. So when people come and so-and-so told me about this and da-da-da, I said, you know, I do know I'm really good at solving problems really fast, but it is not a magic bullet. This is not mm-hmm. a magic place and i want to be really clear that it could be frustrating uh and we'll begin and you may change your mind but i i do know how to build this back up for you but we at any time can entertain a conversation about your frustration and i tell people when i was 18 i had mono badly for four years three or four years believe me i know what it's like to be where you are and you begin and you begin and it's 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 like listening and anticipating what they're thinking about that but they might not even have the energy to tell you you know like when i say you're tireder than dirt aren't you and they go i am mm-hmm. other people when they're depressed i say well i would say that you're under blissed you're bliss deprived and they go i am <laughs> friggin' right, I'm blissed deprived. <laughs> and then they just vent, and I just let them go. Mm-hmm. Just let mm-hmm. them have at it. Mm-hmm. I say, good for you that you had the energy to rant that well. Because mm-hmm. some people are so tired, they haven't had a rant in 20 years. <laughs> mm-hmm. So so it's working with them. I mean, I suppose people call that psychotherapy from the farm, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> but I'm just with them in that moment of trying to say, help them find a a dynamic of hope i said you know you're still growing hair and toenails or women who are really tired and have had probably two babies and worked and did all this and i said you know your body knew how to grow a baby and you push that baby out good on you and if it can do that we can do this yeah we can help or you know whatever it is your body knew how to heal that wound and you know 16 stitches look at it's all through your leg or like whatever it is i think i think you mix in really well the the sort of process oriented nature of of medicine as well as the the sort of fix fix the problems sort of nature because i i feel like a lot of people focus on one or the other and i think i i think you do really well in terms of weaving that in because you need a bit of that process oriented like this is this going to take a while it's not overnight but at the same time you're going to help them fix as as much as they can by helping the body sort of uh meet those basic needs right 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 and you know i've had cases where people come for a while years and then they disappear and 10 years later they come Mm -hmm. and they say 
I'm ready now. I say, okay, let's go. Mm-hmm. I have no judgment about that. I have stuff like that in my own life for me. Mm-hmm. You know? So, okay, let's go. You know what I do? Let's do this. Mm-hmm. And um, other people, one guy, he was a, he was Irish. He was drive, drove a fork truck in a factory and came to see me for something. I don't even remember what it was. I said, so what about exercise? This is an Irish bloke. He says, exercise? What do you think I do all day? I said, well, you drive a fork <laughs> I said, I don't know why I'm saying this, but try Tai Chi. He goes out, tries Tai Chi. I don't see him for 10 years. He comes back. And the only way I recognized him was his face, his eyes. I said, his name, let's call him John. I said, mm-hmm. John? He said, yeah, it's me. I just came back to thank you. I'm a Tai Chi master. But the love of my life, she's a Tai Chi master. This is a bloke that was driving a forklift truck. That's amazing. Yeah. He said, and it, I've changed my life. I said, I can see this. The only thing <laughs> I recognize is your eyes. <laughs> you know, so sometimes it, it's what you say and your intention of what you say to people uh, because you can help them or you can judge them. And that's not your job. Although yeah, yeah. you will have opportunities to, you know, go in some quiet padded room and yell about them because it's twigged something in you and then you have to look at yourself why is this person twigging you it's Mm -hmm. important because you can't take anybody where you haven't gone yourself you Mm -hmm. know you're trying to get to moosini and you've only been to florida you're never going to get there so what what's your what do you say to the younger naturopath then who who's uh hearing okay that's all right Verna. that's easy for you to say 42 years doing this what do you what do you say to keep them um yeah okay i know you know because that's difficult teach them what you know teach them what you know and follow your passion for what it is you want to do and if it is uh massaging people's earlobes then do that like whatever it is Mm -hmm. you have a reason you want to do that so here's the things you can teach them how to drink water and make it happen how to chew food and make it happen we've been through that Get a glass, put water in mm-hmm. it, put food in your mouth, put the fork down and just sit mm-hmm. there and chew it. And at first you, you'll be quick at it, but over time you will just take time. Have, have uh, sleep hygiene, you know, don't go to bed after you've just watched have guns will travel, <laughs> whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Blue light of 5G. If you just did the water and the 5G and did skin brushing, we're, way down mm-hmm. the here um and teach them teach them something every time you see them and teach them in a way that they'll remember and that's why i i like stories but that's why i teach well, that's why i tell stories because it's sensorial it's emotional it's imaginary you can almost you talk about chocolate and you know what kind you like or potato chips what kind i talk about that i talk about the flavor and why they like it and, and it's magnesium or it's balancing your serotonin or there's all of these things that happen people do want evidence-based medicine and and i agree i agree research but what what is it just me being a hypnotist no i'm not a hypnotist i say to people if you chew your food you drink your water a lot of things will start working really really well Mm -hmm. in the meantime if the wrist isn't working i'm massaging it i'm working on it touch of any kind and if you think you don't know what you're doing like you you went off and you did this whole osteopathy course because you it you lit your candle and off you went mm-hmm. and um 
find some touching therapy. It could be um, reflexology. There is so much that happens in those feet and the neurology there, or rub the hands, or, or learn some belly work because it will be, you will use it and use it all the time. Um, and I love that that's your advice to, uh, I, I couldn't agree more. I know I'm at a totally different stage that, uh, uh, than you and everything, but I, I feel like that has been the real catalyst to um, me going from an okay naturopath to being uh, quite a good naturopath. And I think, I think, well, you have yeah. to think you're all right. I mean, you have to have mentality of student all the time, but I mean, it's, it's, it's been touching people. It's been, yeah. that has been the critical factor in getting to be a comp, I'd say a competent clinician. Yeah. So if you're really scared, which we all are when we start, uh, and you can you can introduce some touch that is it's accessible. You feel is the best way you can mm-hmm. get to touching, uh, which is really different. I mean, if you some people saw me work, they run screaming because I I really have a passion for it. Uh, but I don't do a lot of needle acupuncture, but I use those little acu-stims with a micro needle. Mm-hmm. That, that's what I do instead of very advanced needle acupuncture. So what is your passion? And then what does this person need to know that you know now that you didn't know before you studied naturopathy, like um, skin brushing or just personal personal care or just having quiet time alone? Start with five minutes. I say to people, if you're at work and it's overwhelming, go to the bathroom for five minutes. What are they going to say? What are you doing? <laughs> I do that. I say, get some time alone. You may, your workmates might be crazy. I don't know. And I, and mothers do try that, but their little kids always go to the bathroom with them. <laughs> but, you know, you get time alone in the bathroom or, you know, take the dog for a walk. Mm-hmm. There's all these ways that you and then teach them to breathe. Just find their natural breathing, like all of those functional things. When you start, just think if if people did all of those things, they'd be 80% better, right? (laughs) They they really Mm -hmm. would be a lot better. And in the meantime, study things, Um, learn about drainage homeopathy. I I can really recommend that because it's very safe and it, it is very helpful because if you're full of junk and, um, some people aren't going to uh, take tons of herbs or whatever they're going to do. I find the drainage homeopathy very, very doable. Although some people don't like drops at all. And some people don't like pills at all. And you have to, you have to morph to figure out how you can get them to take what they need to take. What are your, what are your guidelines for someone who's sort of hesitant uh, to, to think of drainage homeopathy? Like I, I'm, um, I don't know if we haven't talked a lot about my, my position or my view of homeopathy, I think it's, there's a lot more similar to what you do than, than, uh, than you may know, but uh, for someone who's hesitant about homeopathics and drainage homeopathy, how do they get started? That's a really good question because it kind of surprises me to hear you say that. But when I think about that, they're not being taught in school. I don't think. Exactly. And in fact, there's there's uh, there's an agenda against homeopathy is is the feeling that I get uh, when when I try and share any sort of rational. I, I always just say I do rational homeopathy. Um, and that's a great phrase. I'm going to steal that. 
<laughs> well, here's the thing about homeopathy that I say, I may have said this before to you, but um, it's an energetic remedy. Uh, like sunlight is an energetic remedy. And sound is an energetic, is energetic. They're all energetic. Mm -hmm. And I say to people, it's not, you can hear, not because I'm licking your eardrum. It's because there's a sound wave hitting your eardrum. And the wave is what we would call electromagnetic energetic. And people say homeopathy doesn't uh, work and it's all placebo or voodoo or something. And then I, I just start bringing out my analogies. Like, so the sun is shining on you and, and it's different than the moon is shining on you. Although I think mm -hmm. moon, moon bathing is not a bad idea. It has a different thing. But, <laughs> but, you know, it's really interesting when I see people, professionals in our field, who say homeopathy is this, is poo, 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 poo. Mm -hmm. And I go wow that's amazing such an intelligent scientific mind what is the threat of the understanding about energetic mm -hmm. medicine so i say to people if you were um say you're at a conference or you're at a place where you're meeting new people it's more professional it's not like your in-laws or your great aunt or <laughs> it's somebody in a professional and you meet this person and you're kind of, well, up till COVID, close body space. And then the past, we used to shake hands. Remember that? <laughs> the good old days, yeah. yeah. And you meet this person. And instead of leaning in with your hand, you find yourself wanting to back up. They haven't said anything. They're dressed properly. They're not drooling. They're not coughing. Mm -hmm. Why are you backing up? And everybody's experienced that. Everybody. Or you, you, you go into a restaurant and it's supposed to be this famous restaurant, Lottie, Don, you and maybe the people you're going in. And you go in and you go, this feels really weird in here. What the heck happened in here? Now, not everybody's that sensitive, but everybody's goes into a new place, a strange place. And they go, Ugh, or they go, this is feels so good in here. What is that? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's intuition. It, okay. But it's also energy. And why am I wearing purple today instead of red or whatever? Like, what is that? This is all ener energetic stuff. And it's like someone's voice, the famous poet, now dead, Maya Angelou, American black woman. Did you, do you know who she was? Yeah, my niece is named after her. Yeah. So Maya's voice was unbelievable. When you heard her speak, kind of like Judy Dench, but in a totally different way, you are not riveted, but you want to listen mm -hmm. versus maybe the former U.S. president's voice. <laughs> you know, what is that? What is the energetic of that mm -hmm. and um, how it's affecting you? And I find it amazing that someone, people are so against homeopathy. First of all, they're not going to steal all your drug money because it's, really not a high profitable business <laughs> and second of all it's not going to hurt anything if at, at the worst it will do nothing mm -hmm. and how do we how do we find the way to research energetic things from color to sunlight to whatever and the effects on us
it's comical to me in a way. I yeah, really? me too. Yeah. yeah. What are you afraid of? Yeah, what are you afraid of? Uh, you and know I what they're afraid of? I think they're afraid of it that it works. And then yes, that calls that into true. question all yes. the foundational things that you've yes. sort of based your life on. And then you go, yes. oh, shit. <laughs> yes. And so now we have 5G and then 6G and so on. And it's and I've just attended a conference at the end of January, a world around the world conference, PhDs of reporting all the research about the harm it's causing. People say it's not, it's nothing, doesn't do anything. And the research that is out, the, like for example, the um, gliocytomas, glio, the With brain tumors, yeah, in, in children has gone through the roof. And the suicide in children under 10 has gone through the roof. I mean, statistically. Mm-hmm. Well, that should darn well get your attention. You know, but there are all these energetic things and we're coming into a more and more energetic um, realm. Uh, and, and in strange ways, COVID has accentuated that. Uh, but um, homeopathy... Uh, when but, I but first Verna, saw- like, I think it's fairly clear what, under, you know, underpinning what you're saying here is that we are electromagnetic in one... It, it's all a perspective, right? Yeah. In one perspective... Like you will give off an electric, electromagnetic field, right? And so to think that these things don't have any effect on an ele- existing electromagnetic field is kind of crazy, I think. I do too. You know, when I first heard about homeopathy, I had an honors BSc in kinesiology, and I was, I was science. I was a scientist. Mm-hmm. And when somebody told me about homeopathy, I thought, give me a friggin' break. Yeah. It was just like the stupidest thing I'd ever heard of. And then when I saw muscle testing, I thought they were really out to lunch. And I can tell you that's gone full circle for mm-hmm. me. Um, but I I really had to strain my brain to switch gears. Uh, but when, once I got into it, I saw, oh, oh this, is, this is obvious now to me. It's like you woke up in a different way. And, um, you know... The, the man who developed evidence-based research, um, whose name I forget, he talks about, you know, one-third is the patient's experience, one-third is the doctor's, and one-third is the science. Mm-hmm. But it's not, but it isn't all the science, because there are all so many foibles within science. If mm-hmm. I'm watching an incubator more keep eggs warm, and I'm looking at it, I'm influencing it. I might not be thinking anything. I might be thinking, well, there's eggs, but, you know. Mm-hmm. We all influence everything all the time. And uh, whether it's the thing on Mars rolling around gathering dirt or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, that's what meditation is. That's what it all is. I mean, listen to the Dalai Lama speak. This is not a stupid man, <laughs> you know, and uh, Deepak Chopra and all these people. And, and people what like- What are you bringing them in? What are you bringing them in what, for? What, what? Because they talk about energetic- meditative thought form or emotion or whatever level you want to call it you know that we include things like homeopathy and that prayer prayer whatever that exactly means to the group of people praying mm-hmm. well wishing the well wishes like maybe isn't a prayer but when you go to a wedding why do you go you want to wish them well in their relationship mm-hmm. or you have a child born and people want to give you a little blanket or 
But what are they really doing? They want this child to be well and have a wonderful family. And Mm -hmm. is that prayer? Maybe not, but in my category of prayer, it's prayer. It's just Mm -hmm. well-wishing and heartfelt, heartfelt. You know, mind is a wonderful thing, but the heart is in charge. And I don't mean the physical heart. I also mean what the in TCM they call the emotional heart, the two levels of it. And so, as John Lennon said, love is all there is. You know, it really is important. Uh, do I never get angry? Do I never? No, I do all that. I'm human. That's why I'm mm-hmm. here. You know what I mean? But um, we, uh, we, homeopathy is here to stay, although it's really been taking a beating lately, but it's not going anywhere. No, if it was gone, it would have been gone. Uh, it, so what drainage? Yeah. So what drainage remedies do, and that once I use are Unda, but I also use Doctor Reckwick. There's all kinds. So I'll just talk about Unda because that's the one I know the best. And it has very low doses of minerals and plants, which that's what most homeopathy is. Although there's other things like venoms, but that's not what this is. And it's getting, the, the minerals are um, a, even a lower dose. Like they're more towards being an actual physical mineral right at the low end of the do, dosage, the potency. And it helps um, things activate in the ionic level of the minerals in the cells. And it also helps the cell recognize so there are certain uh, things that have an affinity, um, juniper, for example, uh, for the kidney or the liver or, or whatever, you can, you can take these things and it just helps uh, the system clean up better. It's like, you know, the whole Molly Maid team came after your stove blew up. Like, you know, it really, it really does that. And very rarely, I, I can't even think of it being one in a thousand. I've seen people react a little adversely, but it was because they were so clogged up that you even had to get more subtle, get more subtle. So sometimes I use single pellet remedies, a very low dose, and and that works well for that type of people. I have a whole family, like three or four generations. I call them the pixie people because they come from way north of Ottawa, like they're out in the woods people. And they were there for a long time. And you give them these remedies and they react very quickly. And they're all single remedies, like Arnica, for example, or Chelidonium, or, you know, the very common remedies. And they do well with that. And they don't need a lot. But most of us are so clogged up transgenerationally after we've reproduced and reproduced and reproduced. Some of us kind of need to be hit over the head to say, hello, are you in there? You know, turn the light on. Mm -hmm. So people are really different. I think we should do a whole episode on, on uh, homeopathy maybe sometime. That would, that would yeah. be good. Yeah. We could do that. Yeah. Um, I want, are we all for time? I just want to see if there's anything. Yeah. Like I want to make sure you, you uh, touch on everything you want to touch. Cause we're, we're sort of getting towards the end of our time. Yeah. Okay. So when you're observing your body, is it hotter than you feel it should be or colder or a spot of it, or just my bum is cold. Like, why is that? Or just my fingers, fingers and toes are cold. Just why, why is that? And um, do they have enough exercise? Or is something clogging up the capillaries? Well, people don't know how to think about that. But when people say, oh, I probably have Raynaud's. Well, 
okay, don't jump to a like a diagnosis right away. Just think about the functionality. And are they cold in other places? So like, why is the body doing that, Verna? Why is the body closing down? Is it clogging? Is there a lack of electromagnetic um, resonance uh, in the vasodilation of the capillaries? So there's every three to five. No, let me start that again. Every minute, the uh, we have a thousand mile, hundred thousand miles of capillaries in our body. Who knew? And they should they should pump uh, three to five times a minute in all sections. The heart doesn't pump all the blood through the body, thousand, hundred thousand kilometers. It does some of it, but once you, seventy-five percent of the body is capillaries. That's why when you cut your finger with the butcher knife, you think, "Oh my God, I'm going to bleed out here." By the way, just put cayenne pepper on it; it'll stop. But anyway, uh, but so you have this vasomotor action, and that should happen. But in many people, it's three to five times every ten minutes. So that's like an exponential loss so they're not getting things pumped to and they're getting narrower so they already only let a red blood cell through and a white blood cell through at a time so if that vasomotor action isn't happening what happens to the bottom of the barrel like the tips of your fingers and the tips of your toes um and some people their nose they walk around with a cold nose or ears or whatever how do you how do you improve the vasomotor action uh of that and what what do they need more of and less of and how does all of that work and you just think about capillary function which is not where we're going to go right now but how do we get to this part so is something too hot is something too cold like some people not a lot are hot people some people and you'll see this more men they just are like a furnace they're just metabolically they're really active and it's Mm. nothing abnormal but some people just have hot feet all the time or um, uh, around the neck, around the chest. So why is the blood pooling there? Why is it so active there? Is it compensating or is there another cold spot that isn't moving? Like what's happening to the flow of the, of the, uh, the hot and cold? And some people can't stand being cold. Now, I was brought up in a farmhouse with no heat upstairs. We sound like maybe we were Neanderthals. But anyway, we we slept under, it's very ancient. We slept under a lot of quilts, had flannelette nightgowns, you know. And we'd get up in the morning and take our clothes downstairs to the register because they were so stiff. It was so cold. So people say to me, aren't you cold? I say, well, cold doesn't mean to me what it means to you. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me too hot. Don't get me too hot. Because then I'm just a bear. Like I'm just, like I just start growling. Because <laughs> I, I, when I was living on the farm, we'd go outside and there'd be air and you'd be working, you'd be drinking well water, you know. So I can do cold and I can do medium. Mm-hmm. So there's what you're acclimatized to. Like when a lot of people who are equatorial people move to say Montreal, you see this with them. Um, the islands in the Caribbean that are French speaking and they moved to Montreal and they never seen snow and they don't know about mitts and hats. They, they think they're dying because mm-hmm. so they have no body reference for it. So are, are things hot and cold? Are things lumpy or sore? Do you have a weird skin rash? 
Like, what is your body saying when you have a weird skin rash? Is it lumpy, bumpy, itchy, cracking, oozing? What's it trying to tell you? Something's get something out. Pardon? It's trying to get something out. Trying to get something out? And or the tight gap junctions in the skin, just like leaky gut, leaky brain. You can have leaky skin. Mm-hmm. And it's not so the sorry, oozing up plasma, but but the tight cap junctions aren't working. What interferes with that? Lack of good oils. What else interferes with it? Wi-Fi. Research has been done on Sweden on what Wi-Fi does type two to, does to tight gap junctions. So everybody's walking around with leaky brain, leaky gut, leaky in brief. Um you can't get satiated. They can't, drinking water, well, I suppose that could be diabetes, but why are you drinking the water? Are you really thirsty? Or are you looking for minerals? So you put a little salt in the minerals, like hardly want any, and then you mm-hmm. drink it and say, how is that? And they go, that works. I hear, okay. Mm-hmm. Or people say, I'm really bad. I, I eat salt. I know I brought this up before. And I say, okay, here's some Himalayan salt. Eat as much as you want. I'll do it later. I said, no, begin. So they take it and take it. If they get to half a teaspoon, I'm amazed because they mm-hmm. go, okay, I'm done. I said, that's because your brain knows it got minerals mm-hmm. and it's done. And people say, is that scientific? I say, okay. The brain is assessing everything all the time. And how do you know by your what you're eating in general that you've got enough of whatever it is you're eating? And you go, I'm full. I said, yeah, but if I said, please have another chocolate mousse cake and you love chocolate mousse, but you can't eat it. Why is that? You're satiated, you're satisfied. Your brain knows what happened. Mm -hmm. People think it's not science. I go, it's actual science. Yeah, it's there's, yeah, that's a, that's a whole other discussion too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we have this infatuation with, this evidence-based thing and it's it's great it can be really really helpful for certain things but i think in the course of us talking about a lot of these things where i think uh we'll we'll highlight the the strengths of it but also the the shortcomings of it when they say people evidence-based science they're on the science part what about the person part what about the practitioner part yeah, and how good is who cares how good your evidence based stuff is if you can't connect with the person then it doesn't mean anything for them to follow through on it. I mean that's overly simplified in a way, but really Yeah, yeah, yeah. How yeah. good is your science if the person can't do it or afford it or whatever? Like it's yeah. it's terrible. So yeah. yeah. The other thing is when you're having things happen to your body and you have siblings or cousins or mom and dad and you say, Do you have green dots on your elbow? Why do I like, you know, what is that? You don't know. Like, look at this. Is this okay? And uh, talk to people that you feel safe with about, about your body and say, do you have uh, do you have hair on the bottom of the soles of your feet? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, once you get to be a teenager, you don't want to talk to your parents about your body. And you got to find somebody. And I'm often the person, if they're in my practice, mm-hmm. and once the boys get over their initial thing, they will show me anything. <laughs> Literally, what mm-hmm. is it? I said, Oh, well, that's just what this is. I just matter of fact, we tell them what it is. Mm-hmm. This is this, and this is this, and this is how you can help that. Or don't worry about that. Mm-hmm. Cause they know I'm unshockable and I am. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You can show me anything and I won't freak out on you. You know, I, you I got just, grandma power. I got grandma power. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, take this is another little thing about moles and things on your skin. Did I say this already? Take a picture of it. Did I say Yep. This? Yep. You said yeah, that. After that. Sleep quality. Um, if you wake up in the morning, you haven't been drinking all night or eating barbecue chicken wings all night. Um, if you feel hungover, like your brain is sore and everything is sore, mm-hmm. that's not normal. And there's a lot of things that are happening. What is normal, Verna? That, that can be helpful you, too. Yeah. You wake up, you're ready to get up. You might not be a person who leaps out of bed, but you you get up. And uh, you might instinctively pee or want some water. You know, those are normal things. But you shouldn't be you shouldn't be sore mm-hmm. and you shouldn't think, oh, I've got to have my coffee because I don't know my name. I mean, sure, have your coffee. But if really, like, you got to have six coffees before you know your name and how to write it down. There should be some clarity or rejuvenation in the morning, I guess, is what you're saying, to some degree, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Don't you yeah. think? A hundred percent. Yeah. 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 And sometimes it doesn't happen, and sometimes I'm I'm uh, I don't know I don't know what happened sometimes, but yeah, yeah. generally that that's what you're looking for is, yeah. is to wake up some yeah. rejuvenation. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's normal to have a good sleep, and it's normal to be healthy, and a lot of us more and more don't have that. Like, are you turning the Wi-Fi router off in your house every night? Put the phones in the other room. Mm-hmm. Get all that electromagnetic ick away from you. Um. Watch how your toenails, fingernails, and toenails grow. What's happening with your hair? Do you have split ends all the time? Or is you've got bald patches when you don't think you should? Mm-hmm. You know, or and the crown, the head just balding, which is usually a thyroid problem, actually, fat or thyroid. Um, look inside your mouth. You know, shine a light in there and think, oh, like how many times do people look inside their mouth? I wouldn't think very often. Yeah. Look inside your mouth. Stick your tongue out. Just watch your tongue. Well, I don't know what it means. Well, just watch it anyway. Because yeah. Then you have then you have normal data. That's I think I think that's back to what we were saying. Is you have to sort of know what's normal before yeah. things go away, or or before uh, like same idea with the mole. When you're saying like get get an idea of what it's like now, because because you can take pictures and watch how it goes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and um, like your hand grip, like. For us older folks, can you still undo a jar lid? The first moment that you realize you can't begin to do that, you need to get help. Why? Because you want your grip to work. You want to do up your own buttons. And here's where I get people's attention. And you want to be able to wipe your own bum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? That's where squatting comes in too, right? Being able yeah. to do a squat. Like yeah. if you can't sit down and get up to go to the toilet, you're, you're yeah. missing some huge independent yeah. Yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah, look into your mouth, take pictures of moles, pinch your skin. Are you hydrated or dehydrated? People say, oh, I have old skin. I said, no, no, that's something else. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But when you pinch your skin, it should come right back. And when you poke your skin, I'm a Caucasian, so it goes white. And working at a very, a person who is not part white and part black that is black black when mm-hmm. you pinch their skin the coloration isn't as visible but when you pinch your skin count the number of seconds it takes to come back to your color and mine's like maybe two but when it's five i've seen top athletes like runners people who run do all this stuff 
and you poke their skin like that, 10 seconds, I go, we got a problem here. Mm -hmm. We've got a problem of reinfiltrating your capillaries. Mm -hmm. What's What's going on in there? I don't say it that bluntly. I don't want to scare them. But really, if someone has that much exercise, uh, they should be able to pop right back, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you see it more in teens onward. You don't usually see it in children, but I've seen it in children. And I think, uh-oh, I don't say that out loud. But you think, you yeah. have to think about this. Well, you're unshockable. I am unshockable. Okay, I think I'm good. I think I think that we have to we have to wind it down with with the one thing you know we got you got the title being you know what's your body saying to you uh let's let's sort of close it off Vernon with with one sort of main concept that you want the listeners who made it through uh this <laughs> to, to, you want them to take home and and understand as a real important point if your body's talking to you with a symptom itchy scratchy pain gasping for air toenails falling off don't ignore it it's talking to you yeah do something get help even if it's just your grandmother go ask your grandma all right well thanks Vernie. you got the grandma power and thanks uh thanks again for uh for dropping all your wisdom with us um that's it for this episode 